0: our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite.
1: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses Season 13 Episode 37
2: This is Writing Excuses! What do writers get wrong with J.Y. Yang?
1: Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. I'm Alette.
2: And I'm gonna get it wrong again. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay, we rely on you for that service. Um, (laughs) We have with us special guest, J.Y. Yang. J.Y., tell us about yourself.
3: Um, Hello, Uh, my name is J.Y. Yang, and I am a writer uh, of short fiction and slightly not-so-short fiction. So uh, I have two novellas uh, from Troll.com Publishing uh, that are out this year in September, Uh, The Red Threats of Fortune and The Black Tides of Heaven, which are... Uh, secondary world science fantasy, and uh, I I tend to write a lot of epic fantasy now, but I actually really love science fiction. I used to write a lot of, like, cyberpunk-ish stuff.
2: Awesome. Well, that's cool. Okay, so this is one of our um, What Do Writers Get Wrong episodes, which we love to do. Mary, in... Tell tell us about this. What are we doing?
1: So with these episodes, again, what we're trying to do is present you with people who have different life experiences than the core podcasters do as a way of helping you uh, begin to think about different characters that you can start to incorporate. So instead of telling you stuff and showing you stuff, we're getting an expert in to kind of talk about their life experience. But we want to be clear that these people that we bring on are not speaking for the entire culture. Uh, They're not... You know, culture is not a monolith, and everybody has multiple facets. For instance, JY has multiple facets. What are some of yours?
3: Um, Okay, I have... uh, I'm going to say that I love learning languages, uh, but the only language I've kind of successfully managed to get to, like, a a reasonable reading language is Swedish. I like Wales, and I am a non-binary queer person. Um, So... With all of those facets, which one are we going to focus on? Um, I'm going to talk about, I think, being non-binary and generally sort of gender non-conforming.
1: Okay. So that means, what do people get wrong about non-binary and gender non-conforming?
3: Okay. I have to start off with a caveat emptor in that I have not actually identified or even thought of myself as non-binary for a very long time. Uh, I'm 34, I think. Yes, I am 34 years old and until I was 33, you know, I, I basically thought I was a cis woman. And interestingly enough, I think it was the process of writing my novellas that, in which I kind of realized that, you know, these non-binary characters that I'm creating, they're kind of actually me in the sense that, you know, I, that's the way I sort of relate or don't relate to gender. So that's my caveat, uh, that uh, don't take my words for gospel uh, Particularly because I hang out with a lot of like um, non-binary uh, friends, and we all have very different pathways uh, to discovering that we're non-binary. A lot of us are still questioning, and uh, we don't have a one way to sort of like relate to our gender. So I think that you can't really say like you know this is this exactly is what people get wrong about things because there's no one way to be uh, non-binary or gender non Um uh, one thing I think that I can say that actually bothers me when I read about non-binary characters is that people who write characters who use um, non-binary pronouns, like, you know, they, them, uh, E-M, and it's kind of just dropped into the story, and people are like, oh, look, I have a non-binary character, and they use they, them pronouns, but I don't really get a sense of how else gender plays out in this society. So it just feels like, you know, like, oh, the, the only thing about being non-binary is that you use different pronouns, which is, is a lot more than that. You know, it, it's something that goes to, well, the way I feel it, is something that relates very strongly to your sort of like core identity. And and I think gender is something that is very, very cultural. It's pretty much embedded very deeply in. Every culture there is, and no, no matter how this is expressed uh, you don't have a culture in which gender doesn't matter at all, um, not, not on this planet right. um, mm-hmm. and likely if you have like you know humanoid characters uh, it's, it's not it's, it's, it's going to be a thing so um, yeah, I think that the sense that what bothers me about these characters is that they're sort of dropped into a world, but i don't see a, i don't get a sense from the world that gender is something that the author kind of thought about in great depth. Um,
2: so, is there a counterexample that you could give of, of maybe an author who did their research who does portray it accurately? And what are what are those differences? What are the signs that oh yeah, this person knows what they're talking about?
3: Yeah, I, I okay. So I'm going to. Um, I th- I think that in a, in a way I think. So- the best thing I think you can probably do is to sort of read sort of, like, non-binary writers who, writes, who write, like, you know, non-binary characters with uh, sort of, like, different gender things. Um, OK, I think, like, for example, Anne Lackey, who, who is not non-binary and, and who, who, as far as I know, is this woman, uh, she, uh, like, her ancillary justice novels... I'm pretty sure that was a name for the series, which I'm yep. completely forgetting right now, but you, you know what I'm
4: talking about.
3: <laughs> yes. Um, I, I think it's interesting, because she basically embedded gender very deeply in her books, in her system, and, 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 and that's something that sort of like permeates every aspect of the book, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is the, I think that is the kind of depth of, of thought, I think, that if you really sort of like want to do justice... Um, Gender. That sounds really strange when I say it out loud. But um like you know, like it's 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 not just something that's sort of like a gloss put on top of a world.
4: Yeah.
1: Oh. No, the the one of the things about being people is that we are we are yes. socialized to put people into boxes. Yes. Uh there's a, a very interesting study that I I'm, I'm gonna circle back around to gender, I promise, um, about colour. Uh, that that shows that the, the words that we have for color come into the language at the point when we can create that color. And they come in a very predictable pattern, except for Egypt, which gets the word blue way before everybody else does because of lapis lazuli. So this is why in, in Homer's The Odyssey, there is no... The, the, the ocean is the wine dark sea. There is The word blue never occurs. So this study shows that if you do not have the word for a color, you actually lump the color into a different color category. And they, they, they show this video of um, some people in a, a society that, um, a tribal society uh, here on earth, this is not secondary world, this is, this is real world stuff, um, that has a very simplified uh, color structure compared to, to what we think of as a color structure. Uh, so things are all in the kind of greens and browns and reds and blacks. And they show them a wheel, and they don't have the word for blue specifically. And they show them a wheel of swatches, and they're all green except for one that is blue. And they're like, which one is different? And they look at the wheel, and they guess, and they point at different ones. And to me, it's very obvious which one is blue. And then they show them a wheel of this gray-green thing, and like, which one is different? And they all unerringly, without hesitating, point to the same square. And to me, it looks completely the same. And it's because they're using different boxes. So I think, and this is where we circle back to gender. <laughs> so I think that one of the things that has happened to us is that we have been trained in 2017 to put people into only one of two boxes. And so we're at this generational shift where we are learning that there are other boxes and that that really we shouldn't actually be looking at boxes because just like... There is a spectrum, uh, but that these are all artificial distinctions that we are making.
4: Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered.
5: I'm
2: okay. I am going. Before we carry on, we need
3: to pause for our book of the week. So tell us about our (laughs) book of the week. Okay, the book of the week is actually I'm going to cheat because there's actually two books, but they're short books. So, like, if you combine them, they're kind of like one book. Um, You know what? Our readers,
5: our our listeners have never complained when we've given them more (laughs) than one thing
3: to read. Okay, so uh, um, the books of the week are... um, So my Tensorate novellas, the first two of the series, which comes out from Tor.com Publishing in September, um, they're called The Red... Oh, God, I always get this wrong. The Black Tides of Heaven and The Red Threads of Fortune. And um, they're basically set in a secondary world setting, which is sort of, like, heavily influenced by Asian culture. I have, like, them swearing in, like, Hokkien, which is kind of my my parents' language. Um, And it is a world where ma- there is magic uh, that is based on sort of like the five elements which I've kind of like sneakily used as five different sorts of like um, energy um, in, in terms of physics. And But everyone has the potential to use magic, but it's uh, learning how to use it is very difficult and this is very much restricted to people in power, uh, people with privilege. And so the two... Novellas are uh, each centered on one of a pair of twins who are born to the supreme ruler of the dominant empire. Uh, the names are Mokoya and Akeha and uh, the, the, the two novellas kind of like sort of tell the story of how they, you know, rebel against their mother and break away from like, you know, their family and, uh, and sort of join the resistance to their mother's uh, terrible rule. Yeah.
2: Awesome. Coolness. Yeah. That is the they're Black really Tides. Oh, sorry. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> no,
3: I, I wanted to sway. <laughs> <laughs> I read them and they're really, really excellent books, and like they've got this really, really awesome world building, and like the gender and you know the whole coming to your own gender. And, like, <laughs> oh my god, I and, can't. Yeah. And
5: <laughs> JY said, you know, these are coming out. In September, and yes. you're, you're using the future tense. But by the time this episode has aired, yes. fair listener, they are already available to you. And if they're going to be up on tour.com, is that? Uh,
3: uh, yeah, you can pro- tour.com publishing. You can okay. probably get them on Amazon I, we and Barnes will, and Nobles We will provide
5: links stuff. to them, so you can yes. just go get them. Yes. Awesome. No the, waiting. The Black
2: Tides of Heaven. And the Red Threads yes. of Fortune.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
3: Awesome. <laughs> I'm positive.
2: By J.Y.A. I
3: wrote these. I should know, but sometimes I'm like,
2: oh. Okay, cool. <laughs> so um, th- this is a question we've asked a lot of our what do people get wrong guests mm-hmm. that I would love to to ask. What are What are some of the cliches of an incorrectly... Expressed non-conforming gender identity that you see when people do it wrong. What stands out is obviously wrong.
3: Okay, so this is not, I think, specific to just uh, non-binary, but yeah, gender yeah. non-conforming. In which I do see every now and then, like you know, cis authors kind of equating gender to sort of very specific markers of uh, of. Of desire, like sexuality, or or you know, um, like liking skirts uh, makes you you more feminine, and liking pants like makes you more masculine. And I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Uh, as as you know, I think I have I have like non-binary friends who are very very feminine. They present themselves very femininely, but they don't identify as being a woman. Uh, a woman. Wow. Um, <laughs> And and yeah, I think that's one of the things where I think you really have to sort of consider, sit down and consider like gender is a it is, is, is a social construct. And um and and feeling that you're off a certain gender may not necessarily correlate to how you um, break out of these boxes that that society wants to put you in like you, you, if you're a particular gender you have to put uh, you have to present yourself in this 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 in this way and I think gender is a lot more than like surface gloss in that sense like presentation uh in a sense is is very much superficial and i think I feel like gender is an it's is, is, is an identity it's something that you can't really define and you can't really put into words why you feel this way but it's, you just know that it's right for you, and, and I think that's that's a reason also how why uh, a lot of like the non-binary people I know are still trying to sort of like figure themselves out and how they relate to society uh, in terms of the gender presentation, and they have some days in which you know they they want to present more femininely, and some days in mm-hmm. which they want to present more non-femininely, uh, masculinely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a writer. I'm good at words. Yes. I'm sure.
1: Let, let me ask. Let me ask. A, uh, use myself as a useful representative example and, and ask a really specific question. All right. So I have a book that's uh, set in 1952 and I have a character in it that my intention is that they are non-binary, but it's 1952 and that language doesn't exist yet. What markers would you put in that book that would make you
3: recognize the character as representing you? Hmm, that's a very good question. I think, I think that there has to be a Certain, I think... Well, it depends on whether... Okay, I think it depends on a number of things because the, you can be sort of like within... Like, internally, I know that I'm not one of these, but you don't actually ever see it in public. So I don't know if they're closeted, non-binary, or, like, you know, it's actually addressed in the book. Because I
1: haven't read it. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> the book isn't out yet. You couldn't have read it. Oh,
3: that's good. <laughs> I didn't know that. But, um... So, in, in a sense, that I think you have to be very clear on what the character themselves, uh, how they relate to the world. And I think, like, specifically because, like, I think in the 1950s, like, gender was a very, was, I think that the strictures of gender were, especially in America, were a lot more uh, constrictive than they are now. So in order to sort of, like, say, hey, I don't fit into these boxes, you have to have, an active sort of rebelling against that. It's like, well, I know that these boxes here, but I think these boxes suck. And even if they can't sort of articulate that, uh, it's because I don't belong to either gender, um, that boxes that exist right now, uh, they have to be like, no, I did, these boxes make me feel uncomfortable. And even if they don't understand why, it's just like, I don't like them, and I, I refuse, you know, or or don't refuse. But... But yeah, that, that sort of like discomfort with, with, with the binary has to be there, I think.
5: Well, the, the challenge that Mary has is, is merely a slightly exacerbated version of the one that English writers have in general, which is that our language does not offer you good ways to no. describe yourself in a way that is clear to everyone else. You know, yes. it's, it's one thing to say I don't fit in the boxes you've created. It's another, one, it's another thing entirely to say this is how I represent mm. and to be able to do that with one set of pronouns and right. one set of adjectives and whatever. And yeah. we, we just don't have those tools.
3: Hmm. I mean, you do have languages that have Finnish, right, for instance? Yes, has no, has no pronouns. So it's gender-neutral pronouns. And At the opposite end of the spectrum, French genders everything. So, like, the non-binary community in France is, like, we need to do like you know all the word endings and like yeah. how do we do this? Do we we need to create a third like non-specific, non-masculine, yeah. non-feminine gender for everything? Yeah, and, and I think in Swedish they actually sort of like actively did that. That they introduced a third gender-neutral pronoun. That some people I know I, re, I I I don't want this in our language, but I I, I like that they are actively the people who are in tr- more or less in charge of the language are like actively saying yes, we're going to do this, uh, which. I I wish, like, there was something similar in English because, yeah, I still get blowback on, like, using they, them pronouns in English. And they're like, no, it's not grammatical. I'm like, yeah. Well, actually. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, it's been going on for, like, four or five centuries at the very least, If Jane
1: Austen could do this, you can too.
2: Okay, so this has been a great conversation, but we are out of time Jay, why do you have some homework you can give us?
3: Okay, yes, I do have some homework. And my homework is to read uh, two non-binary writers who I love a lot. Uh, Their names are A. Merck Rustart and Rose Lemberg. So uh, Merck has a collection that's just out called, I think, Do You Want to Be a Robot? And 21 Stories, something like that. Um, I'll I'll give you the name of the thing. Yeah, and we'll put that up on the website. Uh, and, And they are an amazing short story writer, uh, and then there's Rose Lemberg, and they write uh, The Bird Verse, which is a series of short stories, and uh, there is a novella that's just out this year with Beneath the Easter Skies, and um, both Rose and, and Merck write beautiful, evocative, poetic uh, stories that are so full of imagination, and the great thing is that they kind of uh, work very nuanced gender systems into them, but they, they, these are, that's not actually like the point of the story the point of the story is not to talk about genders about mm-hmm. characters falling in love having wants having desires having needs so like you know if you want to see how people do it um, those are great examples that is and perfect great stories you will love them
2: exactly what we need so thank you very much um, thank you JY for being on the show
3: thank you for having me
2: this has been Writing Excuses you are out of excuses now go write
1: Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson.
4: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping